0: Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Colonial Life, providing benefits to employees to help them protect their family, their finances, and their futures. High Point University, the premier life skills university focused on preparing students for the world as it is going to be. And Sanoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries.
1: The Secretary of Commerce in North and South Carolina is an important job, not just because it's a cabinet level position in the states, but because it is the place that comes together for business, industry, education and everything related. I'm Chris William and welcome again to the most widely watched and longest running source of Carolina business policy and public affairs seen each week across North and South Carolina for more than 30 years now. Thank you for supporting this dialogue and this program. In a moment, we will meet the new Secretary of Commerce for the Old North State. Michelle Baker Sanders joins us and we'll find out what her plan is post-pandemic. Stay with us.
0: Gratefully acknowledging support by Martin Marietta, a leading provider of natural resource-based building materials, providing the foundation upon which our communities improve and grow. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at southcarolinablues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, health care, rural churches, and children's services. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, an executive profile featuring Michelle Baker-Sanders, North Carolina's Secretary of Commerce.
1: So joining us from her office in the state capital of North Carolina, Raleigh, is the Secretary of Commerce. Madam Secretary, welcome to the program and thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Um, priorities, February of 2021, when you were named by the governor to the cabinet as Secretary of Commerce uh, was seemingly years ago now, it probably feels like it. So, um, Your Honor, what, what is the difference between what your priorities were taking office and what your priorities are here in the fall of the same year?
2: So the priorities uh, taken off were, um, you know, to continue to focus on creating good paying jobs. It was also um, focusing on our post-pandemic recovery and applying lessons that we have learned and are learning throughout the pandemic and workforce development uh, was a priority. The other priority um, was for commerce to play a bigger role in the policy area. So as far as advancing and advocating for business friendly policies, those uh, priorities remain the same. I believe what is different is um, the attention additional attention and the additional focus that we're uh, playing in those areas. One, um, since the pandemic, you know, we've recognized that Um, there was a disproportionate impact of COVID-19 on people of color, Mm -hmm. um, Black, Hispanic, uh, Latinx, and Native Americans. We also realized that um, there was some unique challenges in our rural communities and uh, that we're faced with the pandemic and continue to be that way. Um, So we have applied and adopted and adapted in a way that we are, more intentional about our equitable and inclusive practices with economic development. So that is a change and a difference in how we are prioritizing our work. Secondly, I mentioned advocating and advancing uh, policies for business friendly climate post the pandemic and um, recognizing we are still going through the pandemic, Chris, I I recognize that. Um, But during this time we recognize that what matters to employees, it matters that they they continue to you know, advocate and want child care services. Um, but we saw a greater importance and the pandemic just underscored that importance of providing um, affordable childcare services, um, allowing for paid parental leave or paid leave to leave to take care of our elderly parents and grandparents we realize that those um, those perks, if you will, or those offerings mm-hmm. are actually things that people really have benefited from having during the pandemic. And we'd like to see companies adapt and adopt practices in that way. It's also a part of our um, economic development as we continue to bring forward progressive companies who care about the quality of life of their employees. And so as an advocate, Um, And as a person and and agency at the table, our conversations have surely changed um, based on our recent experience of the pandemic and also based on the experiences that I've had since being appointed to this role in February.
1: Secretary Sanders, we're going to unpack hopefully some more broader policy, but let's let's talk about diversity, equity, inclusion for a moment because it shows up in not just a lot of your comments, but those that have worked with you prior to this appointment have have, have, have talked about you that being a passion of yours. Does DEI, does diversity, equity, inclusion, does it have does it have roots in a policy statewide? Will commerce is this a, is this a new initiative to commerce, or is this a, a, a larger initiative that commerce has has in the past, and are you leading other agencies down this road.
2: Um, you know, what I can tell you, Chris, is that diversity, equity, inclusion has always been uh, foundational and fundamental to Governor Cooper's leadership, mm-hmm. um, the way he leads, the policies that he puts forward, and the expectations of the executive branch is that we are um, representing the residents of the state, and the residents of the state is a very diverse Uh, population of people. And so in order to better meet the needs of the people and the residents of the state, which is well over 10 and a half million, it's important that we embrace diversity, equity, and inclusion as a strength. And I believe that is a strength for the state. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as commerce, I have highlighted and raised this as a priority because I realized in order for us to remain competitive, in order for us to be on the cutting edge and of innovation, in order for us to support our small businesses and understand the needs of those small businesses, one, we must see things through a lens of equity and inclusion. Um, you know, I know what it's like to be excluded. Um, and that's not a fun place to be. I also know what it's like to work in an environment where, inclusion is um, an enabler for meeting business objectives. And so with my experience in the life science industry, everything um, that I have worked on in my career and have done has been through an equity and inclusion lens, um, realizing that the life science industry serves diverse patients and diverse people um, to meet many needs. And so in order to get innovation, in order to remain competitive, and in order to serve the needs of the public, it's extremely important that we embrace, highlight, and integrate DEI in everything we did.
1: Do you, do you feel like DEI is not as emotional or as is, is emotionally charged as it was even last summer, and the second part of that question, does that allow businesses to now approach the table when it comes to DEI in more of a I don't want to say cold or calculating, but more of a, a scientific or clinical nature to see as it how it is? Is exactly how you ex- explained it.
2: Well, you know, since last summer, what I have seen is a, a more intentional and um, intentional focus and an intentional attempt to make DEI a part of just operating and doing business. It is important to companies, companies that I have spoken with are specifically not only asking about that skilled diverse talent that we have, but they're also asking about the communities. They're also asking about how the the populations fare in North Carolina how inclusive are we with our economic um, attributes and assets with every resident of the state, or are we not? So it matters to companies, but I believe what I've seen since last summer is people be more intentional and direct Mm -hmm. and candid about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, You know, there's plenty of data out there, for example, that shows that um, companies that have greater diversity, public companies that have greater gender diversity, racial and ethnic diversity, as well as diversity of thought are the most profitable companies. So there, there is data and there is information there. We've seen more than a few examples, but I believe that it's a priority and should be a priority for the state and for the work we do because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. It is the right thing to do. Well, what,
1: in addition to that, what has bubbled up? To, so Commerce is, is proposing a business pulse survey. To, I'm, I'm assuming so you really get an idea of what is important. What's bubbled up in that business pulse survey is one or two important things that maybe you wouldn't have expected?
2: Well, you know, we, we've recently put out this survey, a survey uh, recently. What's bubbled up or is bubbling up is there definitely is attention and uh, a need for talent. And that talent we know comes in all shapes, forms, and locate from different locations. So diversity matters. In order for us to meet the labor supply, it is going to take not just some people or some skills, uh, certain degrees, it's gonna take all of us to meet the labor disfo- labor supply needs. And in order to do that, it's also gonna take all of us working in a way that we are developing and um, you know, identifying the potential for our workforce and labor force. Um, so that is surely one need. Um, the other thing that I believe we will see from this survey is there is a great desire and a spirit of entrepreneurship in North Carolina. And that entrepreneurship is definitely going to highlight our innovation economy, but it's also going to um, require us to identify ways that we can better support and build an ecosystem for the success of entrepreneurs and small businesses in North Carolina. I believe that that is going to bubble up out of this survey.
1: Well, as a, as a product, as a child of rural North Carolina, Beaufort County, down east in North Carolina, um, obviously rural's got to be cl- uh, close and dear to your heart, ma'am. So th- the idea that urban versus rural, and it's talked about in both North and South Carolina, are they different challenges? Is rural greater challenge? And I'm, I'm speaking when it comes to workforce development or finding workers and slowing the churn of those that keep going in and out of jobs.
2: Right. Um, You're right, I am from Eastern North Carolina, the beautiful small town of Bell Haven, North Carolina. Um, You know, rural North Carolina does have unique challenges. Um, The the opportunities, uh, the availability of resources are lacking in many towns in rural North Carolina. I would say what is not lacking in rural North Carolina is that can-do spirit, that rural sauce that really differentiates how we live, who we are, and the traits and character of a person is, I believe, uh, uniquely defined by your experiences in rural North Carolina. 80% of North Carolina is rural. So yes, we do have some unique challenges, whether that is access to healthcare, um, whether that is housing, or whether that is access to, um, you know, the education systems. And so I mentioned that because those same challenges appear and are prevalent in urban North Carolina. Um, But I believe access to the resources and the attention um, for those resources and support is far greater in the urban areas, I believe, Mm -hmm. than in rural North Carolina. You know, I'm sitting in downtown Raleigh. I can walk across the street and go to one of the greatest science museums, probably in the world, right here in downtown Raleigh. For people in Bellhaven and other rural communities, you have to drive, right, to get to that type of resource. You also have to have the, the mobility and the funds and the finances and all the things that can get you there. And in some ways you have to be exposed to this world of science and what it can offer, which would even prompt you to think that I want to go to the Science Museum and see what's going on in there. But just because those things are not readily accessible in rural North Carolina, as they are here, does not mean that the potential for workforce development, great and expansive workforce development, the potential for business locations and relocations, the potential for the rural North Carolinians to be beneficiaries of this booming economy that we have, that's still possible. What it takes, I believe is strong visionary leadership, the willingness to accept the differences that are present in rural North Carolina and a strong commitment to equity and inclusion. And I believe that that commitment comes through investment investment in access to healthcare for all, investment to quality education, regardless of your zip code. And that investment to the many challenges and problems that um, many people across our state encounter on a daily basis. But most of all, the belief, um, and I am a, a, a testimonial of that, that anything is possible regardless where you are born, where you're raised, or what your socioeconomic status is.
1: Madam Secretary, you talk about a lot of the issues that I hear the Secretary of Commerce in South Carolina, who was Bobby Hitt, but uh, as you well know, two new Secretaries of Commerce, both yourself and Secretary uh, Harry Lightsey in South Carolina. The state's makeups are very similar, cousins, in fact, uh, familial, in fact. Are there opportunities now with two new commerce bosses and all looking forward to this new reality that we have in post-COVID. Is there an opportunity for, for North and South Carolina together on, on developmental issues?
2: There is an opportunity. Um, you know, uh, like sisters and, and brothers, I guess, I believe uh, Secretary Lightsey and I, um, we're probably competitive on, on many fronts, but I also believe that he and I um, will collaborate possible and and make sure that our region is uh, doing well and make sure that we're able to attract the best things for the people in our region. I think, you know, as far as economic development goes, we see a greater attention put on regional economic development, whether that's in the state or abroad. Um, and you mentioned, Secretary Lysa, I have not had the pleasure of meeting him yet, but you know we are scheduled to get together very soon. We have an appointment on our calendars and we will get together soon. I look forward to learning from him and hopefully him learning from me what's going on in North Carolina. And importantly, I look forward to collaborate Um, as we both try Mm -hmm. to work for the best interests and well-being of of those in our state. Now, will we continue to compete? We surely will. Uh, Will I continue to believe and know that North Carolina is the best place for people to live, to work, and to play? Yes, and I'm sure Secretary Lightsey believes the same, but I'm looking forward to the collaborative uh, spirit that we will develop and can develop.
1: Ma'am, you have a, a, a very storied background in manufacturing and in leadership in, in pharmaceutical and bioscience, both at Biogen, uh, at, at Purdue Pharma, and Large Pharma. And now the, the big issue, of course, is, and this is not going to be lost on you is supply chain disruption and global supply chain disruption. Now that you're in a different position, now that you are the point person for the old North state, and it's about development and about all the manufacturers in both both states, but certainly in North Carolina, how do you bring to bear that experience you had around manufacturing and supply chain to make it work and to smooth that out?
2: Yeah, that experience um, in the life science sector has bode very well for me. You mentioned Biogen, and most recently at Biogen, um, I was vice president of manufacturing and general manager for um, their largest manufacturing facility in their network, which is based in RTP. And so supply chain and having an uninterrupted supply of quality products for patients was our primary objective. I understand from my experience the complexities of supply chain, uh, the limitations and the constraints that can occur and do occur with supply chain, while um, problem solving through some of those uh, potential disruptions uh, in our supply chain at Biogen. Um, That experience has really carried over into this experience. I can tell you this, um, I am a strong advocate and working in ways to not only attract companies here, but to build supply chains here. I understand the importance and the control um, and of the destiny that we will have if we can bring a greater number of those assets in a supply chain within North Carolina and within the United States. Of course, it's much bigger than North Carolina. For example, offshore wind, um, it's an area that uh, North Carolina is focused on. It is the priority of the governor. And um, for all the right reasons, we want a cleaner, uh, a more sustainable and better um, environment and uh, energy uh, for the, the world. And it's important that we try to bring about the supply chain that supports that offshore wind area. Uh, to North Carolina and to our surrounding states. There's over $100 billion of possible economic growth and job creation just in that area. Are the so barriers, supply chain. Is
1: ap- important. apologies for the interruption, are the That's barriers good. to develop that alternate energy less than they were even a couple of years ago?
2: Um, I believe the barriers are less because I believe that people, um, including legislators and others, realize the importance to our environment and to our economy. And I also believe because of this pandemic and because of what we are experiencing now on the supply in the supply chain of many products and services, that we all know and understand firsthand the importance of having our supply chains more tightly controlled and actually um, based here in the United States. We're seeing it, uh, Chris largely with the semiconductor industry right um and the chip industry we need our supply chain and we need our companies Um, we need to win in that space in the united states and so in order to do that that is going to take a keen eye a creative the the creativity of many minds and the expertise of supply chain um experts to really figure it out map that out and secure for the United States, uh, the products and services that we need.
1: Let's let's tease out this whole idea around education. Certainly at this point in time in the Carolina's history and and even in North Carolina, as the General Assembly bangs through what the budget's going to look like and, and what is a historic surplus. And those on the side of education are arguing for more dollars. Um, the I, and plus Leandro is in the mix and the, and the compelling by the courts. Um, all of these things together, Madam Secretary, where do you think is the best opportunity for commerce to embrace and enhance what education needs to be now and should be as part of the model?
2: I believe the best pace for commerce to embrace and enhance that is through our workforce development Um, and workforce solutions. I also believe that it is to continue to advocate for investments in uh, pre-K through post-secondary education. So the advocacy that we can play. We know that people choose where they live most of the time because of the school systems. Um, Most people want their children to have uh, an excellent education experience, a quality education, And that sometimes depends on where you live. And so North Carolina must continue to invest in education, must continue to invest in um, our teacher pay, those who are educating our students, Mm -hmm. and to invest smartly, wisely, and in a way that the outcomes will be demonstrated um, through the measures and metrics that have been identified but most importantly that those outcomes connect to employment and quality of life. Education is a key indicator of the quality of life that people will or will not have. And today, um, if we are not investing in education in a thoughtful way, and when I say education, I'm including the entire system and the people in those systems. If we're not investing in that, we will not remain competitive and we will not be successful in addressing society's um, mm-hmm. diverse and difficult challenges and yeah. those approaches that it's going to take to get to solutions.
1: You, 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 and I don't want to put words in your mouth, madam, but you feel like everyone in the education debate and policy and process feels that way though, right? And then why, why is it so hard to get to a, a, maybe a funded model or a policy that makes sense for North Carolina? And we have one um, minute, I'm sorry, ma'am, that's not a fair question. I
2: part. do feel that way. But it's when we begin to put our money uh, with the words that we're speaking uh, that matters. And so if if we talk about this, then our budget should, should clearly show, for example, the state budget should clearly show that this is a priority, this is important, and this matters. The governor's budget clearly shows that, and I'm hoping that the final budget that the legislatures and the governor approve actually highlights and underscores that this is an investment we're willing to put forward as an, and we can't invest in everything, but that this is a priority. Not only is it worth investing, but one that's gonna have a long-term effect on uh, the sustainability and the growth and the trajectory of the state.
1: That, that, that'll have to be the last word. Madam, thank you. We know you're busy. Thanks for the investment of time you spent with us and best of luck going forward. Congratulations.
2: Thank you very much.
0: Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by High Point University, Martin Marietta, Colonial Life, The Duke Endowment, Sonoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you.